0: From the Ohana Green Witches. You're listening to the Herbal Journey Podcast with the Ohana Green Witches. I'm your host Karen Gipple along with my co-hosts and sisters Caroline and Christina, here to take you on an herbal journey. We are sharing relatable stories and knowledge from holistic healers who ditched the conventional lifestyle and purposely found health in the alternative. As for us, our herbal journey began with our own healing of our body, mind, and spirit which we found through herbalism and nature's wisdom. And that's where it all began. Join us as we travel the U.S. in our RV, visiting different organic farms and holistic businesses, bringing you insights into the most effective holistic therapy practices to reconnect us to nature and awaken our own healing magic, helping assist you in remembering your own beautiful, natural wisdom through the guidance and whispers of our plant allies. Where will your herbal journey begin? Aloha, and welcome to this month's episode of the Herbal Journey podcast. We dive into the Acadian culture and traditions of the Cajun healer, or traiteur in French. Traiteurs have been treating the ill and injured around the bayous since the 18th century with this generational practice of faith healing. In this episode, we had the pleasure of meeting with Kobe Aber, a New Iberia, Louisiana native and generational traiteur since the age of 11. Kobe Abert has always had a deep pride and passion for his Louisiana roots, and since 2016, he has used his custom hat business, the Cajun Hatter, as an avenue to express and preserve elements of Cajun and Creole culture. Currently, he has shifted his preservation efforts toward the healing tradition, which he has long been a part. In this episode, we discuss the traditions of this Cajun and Creole-inspired method of faith healing. In his talk, The Cajun Healer Revival and Renewal, Aber will share his perspectives on how we can honor tradition while embracing the changes necessary to sustain it. We had the pleasure of meeting Kobe and his wife on our herbal journey and visiting his custom hat shop in downtown Lafayette, Louisiana. The shop is so neat, the hats are just as amazing as the process done to make them, and the southern hospitality is never short here. We enjoyed sips of his favorite rum from Old English teacups, as the pirates would, as we shared discussions around healing traditions, native herbs, hat making, and more. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Herbal Journey Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Kobe Abair and the Cajun Hatter Custom Hat Shop. When it comes to his hats, it means far more than Louisiana made. Each hat is a functional expression of Cajun culture reflecting the rich landscapes that have informed the way of life in South Louisiana, as well as the individual style of the people who call this Acadian region home. His custom hats are inspired directly by the individuals he designs them for, yet each hat represents South Louisiana in their swamp chic style, which literally brings elements of the swamp into the high fashion world of hat making. All handmade in his downtown Lafayette shop, Cajun Hatter, where his self-taught tradition of Cajun hat making continues. And by Ohana Green Witches, LLC, specializing in tropical plant remedies and herbal education that reconnects us to nature and awakens our self-healing. Follow our herbal journey on Instagram and Facebook at The Green Witch, LLC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Ohana Green Witches. Sign up online for one of Karen's Neurosomatic Flow classes, a unique somatic healing modality that combines somatics, neuroplasticity, and ontology through flow arts to move our bodies in new ways so we can learn new ways of being, to rewire, repattern the neural pathways in the brain and release limiting beliefs, manifest abundance, and heal our bodies from trauma, pain, stress, and anxiety. Sign up online for this workshop and other workshops on our website at www.thegreenwitchallc.com events. Join our Neurosomatic Flow newsletter. At slash neurosomatic flow. Aloha, listeners, and thank you for tuning in today to our Oval Journey podcast. Today we have Kobe Aber with us, the Cajun Hatter from Lafayette, Louisiana. And we are here and going to talk about Cajun Tretour, which is treater in French, and it is. Thank you.
1: Bonjour. I'm happy to be here.
0: Welcome. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, I'm excited to to learn about this, this type of healing that you you do.
1: I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it right.
0: So to begin, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and how you kind of got into it? Sure. Into that,
1: the, so for me, I would say, because as a traiteur, you know, in our tradition, and our culture, it's something that's a lineage thing, you know, it's passed down to us and typically someone who in the family would kind of exhibit certain characteristics or personality traits or this or that. You know, the person who is a traiteur would kind of know, have an inkling of who they think that would do well carrying on the tradition. So for me, it obviously started, I would say, kind of being a healer or kind of having that essence within me kind of started well before, you know, I actually embraced the tradition or was past the tradition. And that manifests itself in simple things like, you know, being sensitive, you know, as a child to uh, to things, you know, feeling things, hearing things, dreaming things, you know, kind of just being mystically inclined uh, is a way, a way that I would put it. And so ultimately what launched the tradition being planted within me was an act of healing. I was at my cousin's house my aunt you know and my cousin and uh she asked if i would pray for the baby uh my cousin was an infant yeah. and uh and i was young i was about 11 she said that her stomach had colic you know which is the bad stomach uh spasms and pains from you know that babies get and, and i didn't know that way that was at the time you know and uh but i said sure i mean i'll pray over the baby you know cradle catholic you know cajun our culture is just that's you know dr- drinking coffee and Pray in the rosary are like to the same thing. It's real casual, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and I, and I uh, placed my hand over the baby's uh, stomach and I asked God if my hand and my arm could be his mm-hmm. in this moment and that he could use it in order to heal the baby. And then I sort of just prayed some prayers that I felt called to pray in the moment. Mm-hmm. And in a few days, or maybe the next day, my aunt had called, you know, my mother to tell her that. The symptoms, you know, that the baby was just completely at peace, you know, that there was no more crying and screaming after feedings, you know, and this and that and up all night and that she was just, in essence, healed, you know? Uh-huh. And so we later, I was at my grandmother's house and later, you know, they were talking about different things and that came up in the conversation where, you know, Colby prayed over a baby for colic and you know, I was there drinking coffee. We drank coffee milk when we are young like that, you know, uh-huh. we just diluted with a bunch of milk. And my grandpa says, uh, well, your daddy used to treat for colic. And he was the traitor. And then my grandmother, my, uh, okay. my great grandfather. So my grandpa, you know, talking about his father-in-law, he said, he, he said, your daddy used to treat for colic. Remember that? You know, he said, so you must have the gift, you know, and then, uh, and then my grandmother acknowledged that or whatever. Well, years, uh, sorry, months later on Easter Sunday, I was at my grandma's house and, and she took me to the back room. She said, I'd like to pass to you a gift, you know, in the, the prayer in our family, uh, the words, you know, of treating. And if you accept, and I said, you know, yes, I accept. I was maybe 12 at that point. It, this was, you know, in April and I was, my birthday's in January. So I might've been 12 and she, uh, had me get on my knees. If I recall, she taught me and showed me what to do. And then she prayed over me and, uh, I guess, you know, I asked God that the gift would be passed to me, you know. Which there was already evidence of it in you know in, in mm-hmm. retrospect. So I sort of believe that, you know, when you're a healer you're always a healer. But anyway, so uh, so that is my story that you know led up to me becoming uh traiteur in the sort of textbook way, Cajun in you know, a wise. Mm-hmm. We have usually someone older in the family who passes it to someone younger, oftentimes, if not most often, male to female or female to male.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, and, and these are things that are observed but not, you know, uh necessary per se you know so uh that's the story that's how i became that and then there's much more but you know that's the beginning
0: awesome that's a beautiful story yes that is and yeah that answered one of our questions we were wondering how that passed down because we knew it was generational but you said there was like specific things they look for
1: or well i think it's just very practical for example if you are very athletic and you wonder that maybe some of your children might be interested in playing some of the sports that you played when you were younger. Uh, You know, uh, you might just look for those characteristics, you know, Mm -hmm. whether they're athletic, you know, whether they're coordinated and things like that. And he's like, well, this one might be one that would be interested in me investing some time showing them and guiding them and giving them some exposure into this sport. So it's kind of like that. And I think I often compare that because I think in the spiritual realm, you know, the gifts that we receive that we cannot see Are none different from the gifts that we have in the physical realm that we can see. You know, and that means that you know you can practice and train and learn and apply, or you can be naturally gifted, or both. You know, and so I guess you would look to see children, that whether they're young or not, but someone who maybe has that concern. For others, maybe sacrifice patience. And those are just some of the simple things because it mm-hmm. is kind of a, a ministry and there's a lot you have to sacrifice, especially time and, you know, energy. But outside of that, it's, uh, you know, these inclinations towards a kind of a mystical personality of the spirit, you know, just mm-hmm. someone who again, you know, you see more profoundness, you know, at an age that is kind of unexpected, I guess. For me, it was just that, yeah, she kind of sung. But so typically, You know, like I said, there will be these rules and these regulations or whatever, these traditional standards that people will follow, such as not going from, you know, male to male and and switching a gender. Or, you know, maybe they will skip a generation so that that the potency grows or something. Or maybe on the other hand, uh, they will not teach someone older than them because then they believe they'll lose their power. So there are things like this, but I've also seen all of these things uh debunked in various ways mm-hmm. and i think much like i say much like but in similar kind of way the uh followers or practitioners of hoodoo it's kind of like if you believe it it's real if not it isn't Is it you know right, yeah. because it's faith healing so right. so if i believe that if there's a body of water between us then the healing will not reach you then it won't because right. i have effectively uh limited myself Right. And it's not that it are limited the, the the energy, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. for God to the Holy Spirit, whatever. So for me, been able to see these different things play out in, in so many different forms. And I've been able to be open to it because I think of you know, really just my age, you know, and not having so much like when I was uh, a lot of older uh, generations of, of Cajuns, you know, they're that age, that generation, they're kind of a little more fixed into their traditions and things that they adhere to. And it's a little more difficult to get them to open up to other realities and possibilities. So because of my openness, I've been able to gather and observe these various ways in which the tradition plays out and embrace it all in ways that for me are just simply not limiting the work of the Holy Spirit, not limiting the, the scope of what the energy can do uh, because I'm only a conduit. So it's to remove all of the blocks within me, you know? Right. Yeah. So super
3: cool. And I remember talking with you, you were telling me sometimes, and you even said this a little bit, that it goes from gender, usually male, female, whatever. Right. But you kind of, your mom, got it after you right? right like way later right so you kind of have now that's even more power you can go more into this but i think some of your healing is through prayers so they gift you so now you have even more prayers and you can probably continue on with that but sure. i remember from talking
1: right so so basically uh you know the interesting thing is that in my family on my grandmother's side in that lineage uh it's only one prayer that she has and we call it a prayer uh some of them, because the Cajuns are so assimilated into uh, the devout Catholics, you know. Mm-hmm. So Catholicism is very assimilated into the work. So we might say, we might use uh, within the context of a of a phrase or of a statement, we might use something like Saint-Vierge, which means the virgin saint. So that is Mary, mm-hmm. uh, the mother of God. So there's things like that. But then there are phrases and words in French or English that uh, really don't have anything to do with any particular spirituality or religion, you know, so I'm fully aware that in other contexts, in other traditions, those phrases would be referred to differently from prayers, you know, uh, incantations, chants, mantras, spells, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so what we refer to as prayers, you know just making that distinction, or, or, or the lack of it. But anyway, so my mother was the connection basically between my grandmother and I, uh, you know, obviously because of genetics, but also it's like, that's why I have all the grandchildren that, you know, I was the one chosen. And it's not that there could be more than one, mm-hmm. but because I got it through that one of her children, my mother. Mm-hmm. And my right. mother always was a traitor. It's just that she didn't have that the family prayer that my grandmother used because they're typically kept very secret and they never said out loud most of the time because uh, they believe either the potency of it will be reduced or that it, you know it'll be uh lost or the power will be lost or something so the uh my mother never received that my grandmother had never really like officially said like here you know i want to share this with you but by no means didn't mean that my mother wasn't all of my life gifted, mm-hmm. you know, in so many various ways, mm-hmm. including healing, mm-hmm. but very much not Thanks. limited to. Now she got it kind of <laughs> double because my grandfather, uh, like my mother, uh mm-hmm. is also a healer that was never passed the tradition uh so he would not consider himself officially like a traiteur, but he's very much a healer he lays hands he has gifts you know there's positive outcomes you know, and all that and his great-grandmother my great-great-grandmother mm-hmm. was a mm-hmm. treteur and she's half german and although i never met her I have one prayer from her because he remembers her saying it out loud, mm-hmm. and it's for the heat stroke. But I have, uh, in my openness, i have adapted certain things where I understand how I can tweak this to go and let's use this for migraines, let's use this for sinus. You see what I'm saying? So, yes, mm-hmm. so I can use that if I want to use my family prayer for multiple things. And my mother's side, uh, my grandmother. The reason she only has the one prayer is because it actually was not passed to her through her fault from her father. It was actually her father gave it to her older sister and then her father had passed away. And then by the time that she was older, uh, her older sister told her the prayer and then her older sister passed away. And so my grandmother did not have a lot of exposure, or the opportunity to ask all these questions. So I have no idea how many prayers that my great-grandfather might have used. Um, but he treated many things. He would treat for colleagues, like I said. You know, they would treat for all kinds of stuff. He was like a one of the big traitors. You know, he, he, uh, he was well-known. So, but luckily, you know, or either way, however you want to put it, the, the prayer that she has is uh words that are not specific to any ailment or affliction nor any particular spiritual aspect per se so they're they're universal yeah
3: you can use it for
1: so so, right so i use it i use it for a lot more And, and there's something really special about her technique with those words, uh, is that a part of the technique that's used is something that I've never come across in any of the other prayers that were given me by other people outside my family, because now I have over 30 prayers. That's and, great. Yeah, they're all from, I have various people who have gotten these prayers from primarily about three people that have provided me with a bunch of prayers outside of my, you know, my grandmother and the one that my grandfather remembered from his grandmother. But so, you know it just so happens that I think because my grandmother passed it to me when I was so young, maybe it was just sort of in her mind. It was like, well, that's, that's the one, you know, and mm-hmm. she just sort of left it at that. Mm-hmm. And then I guess as she got older, you know, because now she's 89 mm-hmm. and she sort of realized that maybe this would be something that my daughter should have, you mm-hmm. know, and my mom is so that mm-hmm. way, you know, so, mm-hmm. so she did choose to, to share with her last November, which was exciting for me because it's not like I get more out of it per se in the sense that you know like this sort of snowball of energy or compounding it's more i get more out of it because now my mom and i get to share in something at a capacity that we had not before and oh, communicate right. in different ways about it something to draw us together more and you know in an intimate way and it's, you know so <laughs> yeah. it's just special you know but my grandfather you know again you know because of that she's my mom got it down two lines you know right. and i i feel like my dad's mother was a traitor, but she wasn't one like, you know, ceremoniously, mm-hmm. but, but she was a healer. My dad, when he was young, got all these warts all over his fingers and she said, come here, let me pray over you. And she prayed over his warts and then they were gone. you know, in a mm-hmm. couple of week or whatever. And so that's what a traitor does, you know? Yeah, and so it is a faith healing, but I've tried and tried to find on either side of my dad's Lady Ashton's parents, a traitor anywhere that it may have shown evidence of that, and I haven't yet. So, because they're all mostly deceased, you know, it's hard to issue, (laughs) but
3: okay, yeah, because they were pretty much used. As doctors, we like there wasn't too many out here, right? Right,
1: yeah. right. A traiteur is, you know, a lot of people will say is uh, someone who takes the place of a doctor because, you know, again, there was there was a lack of, of access to yeah. doctors, medical, you know, uh, access. But really, you. you know, a traiteur was really was kind of uh, I would say is between a doctor and a priest. And the reason I say that is because there's certain things that that a Catholic priest will employ mm-hmm. that are not a huge part of the tradition or a big focal part of the tradition of, of a lot of other religious sort of hierarchical positions, whatever you want to call it. You know, uh-huh. such as the priest. One of which is dealing with darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, exorcisms, the things mm-hmm. of this nature. I believe. Personally, through the experiences that I've had and the understanding that I've developed, that when a traiteur treats someone, that they are effectively, in essence, they are they are exercising an ailment, mm-hmm. uh, they're exercising mm-hmm. an affliction, a malady. You know, mm-hmm. they're removing something that is negative in cleansing. Right, you right. know, right. and so I think in most cases that is a spiritual source. Mm-hmm. And that's why. We're applying medicine that is not physical and having physical results.
2: Right. right. Because
1: the source is not physical, you know, and that's how I kind of understood. And so something like warts, for example. Could develop because of something that you expose yourself to, such as too much bitterness in your life or something, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you cleanse the person, you treat the person, and then we believe that the Holy Spirit, that God touches them in whatever way they need, even though, you know, we're focusing on something like warts or, Mm -hmm. you know, a poison ivy or whatever. Some things just happen to you, but... Mm -hmm which is why the doctor on the side of it Uh but it's like there's something underlying you know on an energetic level that gets some attention and then uh, the manifestation the physical manifestation of that begins to dissipate wither away because it no longer has an energetic source you know that's sustaining it the physicality of it you know there are people who have been uh Exercise, you know, by priests who had cancer and the cancer went away, you know. Uh, so it's kind of similar to the traiteur. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. So, uh, yes, I believe personally that vein, you know, in that, in that sense, the traiteur can kind of stand in for certain things that, you know, a doctor out of practicality is kind of overboard, mm-hmm, you right. know, to have to go through pharmaceuticals and all that and medical intervention. And then on the other hand, there are things that a traiteur can kind of help you to cleanse and clean a slate and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh in a spiritual sense, you know, I'm lifting curses and things like that. You know? Their
2: energies really so
1: cool.
3: And you mentioned a little bit about your grandfather that healing hands. And I know when we were talking when we first met that you kind of explained a little bit about that it's not really like reiki healing hands. It's a little bit different. I don't know if you want to go into a little bit of that.
1: Sure. I mean I don't have an extensive knowledge of reiki i understand a good bit but as far as for how it would apply to the the hands and kind of what happens with the hands is i can't it's not as easy for me to contrast that but i can just speak on the side of the treachery in most cases what tends to accompany the faith healing uh you know and kind of be that physical representation in the act typically is what's called the laying on of hands right and so during that we kind of are putting our focus you know, on the particular place that we're trying to heal. And the intention is there in our mind. But oftentimes what happens with the treachera is that the hands will get very hot. Mm -hmm. And then the person will feel that, you know, and it typically is a feeling that's soothing, that's considered to be kind of peaceful and soothing and warm, you know. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, it doesn't happen with every treachera. Oftentimes I've heard people say that, I feel that I'm probably a traitor. I have, I've had it in my family and this and that, but I never got it passed to me. But like when I pray, my hands get hot, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, I tend to think that that's because they have the gift and are not using it. So it's just this sort of buildup with no transference. There's no release, uh-huh. Uh, you know, which is not to say that the hands have to be laid, but the intention has to be said that this person has asked. So I have a recipient and I step in and I eject that. I allow that energy to flow through me and then it goes into the person. So let's say on the other hand, you've got with, cause we were talking about my grandfather. Let's say you've got certain things, techniques, traditions that kind of come into play with this or that healing, you know, this or that thing that needs to be treated. It, it is always involving the hands, but it's not always uh, just simply laying on. So that's why we do the healing hands is very uh, significant because they're always used. But the, the laying on of hands is just sort of the old school, like simplicity. Gotcha. And so there's other things like my grandfather. Also, you know, one thing they used to use a lot of back in the day is spit. It mm-hmm. was spit on things or they would use their spit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right <Anyway>, Using <laughs> properties to that right? i know
1: it's yeah. it's you know it's a little nuts but uh so on one hand like i have a man who told me uh that when he treats someone for like ringworm mm-hmm. you know that when he finishes treating it he'll grab their arm and he said and he'll he'll hold it just tight enough so that when they have that <laughs> resistance to that urge to pull away he'll go and he'll spit on their arm without asking uh-huh. Now this is old school, right? right, you know, right. Way in the sticks. So yeah, yeah. Like, You're not in like Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah,
2: stopped, yeah, yeah. You know, you're
1: Arrested, you know. <laughs> so he's holding the hand, and then he'll spit on it, and then they'll go, "Hey, you know," and they'll spit again. And he says, "They tell me that they told me who taught the bunch who taught him." And he says, "They told me to do that because it makes it mad, and, you know, and, and it okay. makes him want to leave, you know." And it's like after he's done the treatment, so it's remarkable. But my grandfather, again, not knowing. Not being past the tradition. When my brother was young, something happened and his tongue was bleeding and it wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather took his mouth and he took his finger and put it on his tongue, his own tongue. Mm -hmm. And then he put it on my brother's tongue. and He said, in the name of Jesus, I I command you to stop bleeding like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it stopped immediately. And we always say that if a tritur can stop blood, a tritur can treat anything. So that's why I say I know my grandfather is a powerful healer. He just doesn't have that, that literal, just that knowledge and that permission. I got you. You know, that's kind of what it does when someone passes it in a ceremonious aspect or, or, yeah, uh, way. It's like the person of authority is telling the other person that they too have authority, and so because the younger person or whoever it is trusts that the other person is that thing that they say that they are, and then you tell them that this is what you now are, it's like believed in a greater capacity, you know. So a right. lot of it comes to to belief, you know. Mm-hmm. Faith is is a, is a is an important word, but it can be as simple as belief. Believe it works. I have okay. no reason to not believe that it works, and if it's as simple as that. Then you have just tapped into like 100% full faith, you know? Right. So some people, faith, you know, if you try to approach it where like, I'm not sure that I believe it, but like, I, I have the faith that this could be a, that could actually be a weaker, you know? So it's like belief is almost simpler because it's like it just ends there.
2: Yeah. Right, right. So you mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's one of the reasons why people who have not been past the gift, you know, quote unquote, will struggle with okay. the the belief or the faith that they are this. And I also did when I was younger. It was like, you know, but does this really work? Am I really, you know, right. uh, whatever. And then that just because there comes times where you just sort of surrender and let it go and you just keep doing it. And then you just sort of, you know, accept it and trust it and then just walk in it. And it's just that's just what you are. Now, that's right. You know? Yeah. So the uh, the spit. The laying on of hands, foot. which you know, again, old school Cajun Catholics, we, we always use that type of. Thing. So in the Bible, when Jesus healed the blind man, he he mixed to some spit with some yeah. dirt. Uh, so there's that, and then uh, you know, there's we will also often draw a circle around the thing that we're treating, so that that is where the focus is, and nothing else, you know. And then we will make crosses over it and within that circle, uh-huh. could be with your thumb or this finger or whatever, uh, while saying the the treatment. So that's another role that the hand will do is make those symbols, okay. you know, which is not you know that's similar to Reiki. You know, so we'll make those symbols. Uh but yeah, you know, so, so the hands, you know, my grandmother's what she the one that she taught me, it uses air in the hands. So excuse me. so I'm actually uh sort of spitting air so to speak on my thumb.
2: Uh-huh
1: Uh which is this and then doing the three while i say the words Mm. gotcha and that's and that's the only time i've ever seen that you know she showed me that so you know this kind of leads to you know you have the traditions you have the things that you're told this is how things are and then you have well how can something evolve become better be let's say enhanced
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but you know we can honor the tradition for me personally, in a lot of ways, I'm very much a traditional, a traditionalist. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm like heavily conservative or that I'm not blah blah blah. It traditional is is different. You know, I like things in a lot of ways that are old school, that are old world. You know. And I recognize the value in a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. But then, but then on the other hand, I also, you know, very progressive in a lot of things, ways that I think and the things that I'm open to in in life. So I think sort of being able to allow myself to sit as that bridge, you know, is kind of where I'm at now. And that's part of the inspiration to write the book, you know, it's so... I'll give you some examples of things that I've been able to do because of my openness, Mm -hmm. using examples from the past, you know, in ways that are not limiting this tradition. Because that's the thing that traditionally, you know, this healing practice has been very boxed in, very limited, very between the lines. Mm -hmm.
2: So,
1: for example... Uh, ways that I will try to uphold the tradition in you know, the way that is respectful, reverent, historical, whatever. You know, if I've got the prayer in French, I say it in French because it was uttered in French thousands of times, right. more than English. And I think there's power in that. For sure. Uh, I will, you know, if there's a certain uh, prayer for a certain specific thing, I'll use that prayer because the likelihood that that prayer was said before for that specific thing with effectiveness is very high. You know, so I'm going to keep those things the way that they are. If it says, you know, it's best to do blank with blank or in that context, you know, uh, I'll try to do that treatment within that context if I'm able to, but if I'm not, I will not do the treatment, you know, and that may include like something like it's better for us to do this in person traditionally, but like, you know, maybe we can't, I'll go ahead and do it over over a distance and and we'll see what happens, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's not limiting some of the things that I've kind of ways that I've kind of opened up my practice, you know, uh one is that I don't believe that it is by any means, solely, or even maybe some in some cases at all, the words that have anything to do with the healing. I think that the healing is the same healing that takes place all over the world in every culture since the beginning of time. It's God, it's the energy. I I recognize the value. And the power of words and the power and the value of symbols, uh, but mostly because of how they relate to us, you know, right. and also, you know, how they've related to those before us whose blood we share, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. Yeah. So so that is significant, but it is not the God of this situation. It's not if the words are said wrong, you know, no. right. that being said, still
3: getting the power
1: I've initiated right. sort of fill in the blank prayers. You see what I mean? I've treated uh for things with words that have nothing to do with this, but I've used it for, for something different, you know, and just kind of broken some of those rules where it's like, let's not put too much emphasis on the words. Let's put an emphasis on the person and the affliction, the ailment, what, what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And then go, boom, you know, and then we allow that to happen. So, so that's one way that I've allowed, you know, myself to not be limited and just to open up the practice. You know, another thing that's really fun for me, uh, because I like all of my tools and all my you
2: know <laughs>
1: my little uh things that are suitable to me that I, I like to touch and the, you know, right. staff as well. So, you know, for example, my great grandmother or great is mm-hmm. actually great great. And this is my grandfather's, you know, grandmother who the one who has the healing
2: hands. Yes, Yeah.
1: So she was half German, but half Cajun. And uh, she was a traiteur, which in French we would say we would say as a woman, we say a traiteurs, Uh traiteur and traiteuse most it doesn't necessarily matter you You know know, that's just to to say say. she treated for a lot of things but she is the evidence that i have within my own bloodline which is really cool of the treating of inanimate objects most teachers have no idea how they would approach anything like this or why right Mm -hmm. so my grandfather can remember a time where there was a, a mule that was working with a plow in the in the field. And the mule got sunstroke, overheated, yeah. and it collapsed. And it was completely depleted of energy, exhausted, probably suffering from inflammation in the head and a headache, you know, migraine, right. that's what That's what you go through. And they cannot muster up enough energy at that point to stand up. And the problem with that, this is why it's such a big problem is that it's not like us where we could just go inside, get a cold glass of water, right, yeah. cool down, relax a little bit. They're just laying there in the in the sun exposed with no one who can lift them out of that situation. Okay. Well, they went to my grandmother. She is, right? My great-grandmother. And she took a cloth and she treated the cloth and she said, take the cloth and lay it over the mule's head. And so they did. And when they laid the cloth over the mule's head, it instantly sprung up. So... When I was told that story, I'm like, first of all, cool.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: But it was a big unlock. It was like, wow, so I can use preening in a way of transference, mm-hmm. you know, from object a to you know, object recipient, yeah, uh, you know, or perhaps just in an object, uh, for just the object to be to possess that particular, you know, nature of whatever it is that it's been imparted with from the treatment. Mm-hmm. So, the very first thing that I ever treated in mm-hmm. an option was my staff that I made last summer, and I treated it with my grandmother's prayer with the. With the finger, you know? and uh and i had intentions that i bestowed upon it you know just uh you know things simple things you know protection guidance balance you know and th- right. th- different things you know uh-huh. in my journey and then later uh I treated water and i treated salt you know and i would mix them and then i'd use it to spray around either in an area you know or because there was one guy too who whoever gave it to him, his great his uncle or something like that would walk around the house with a salt pouring the salt around the perimeter of the house as he would mm-hmm. say in the treatment prayer to keep snakes from coming near the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would work. And so, well, well, I just thought I could treat the salt Mm-hmm. and then that whatever it's needed in any situation it can be used without the prayer yeah you know so there are these simple things that i've allowed my openness and also my experience in my studies of various forms of uh, spirituality and faith and healing mm-hmm. practice and religions you know uh to to be able to go hey why not okay. why couldn't this work you know just not be so limited and boxed into the tradition right. so it's that balance that i think is going to help it to persevere and to survive you know Right, um, right. Finding a way for it because change is inevitable. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. yeah so exactly. So it's finding a way for it to be relevant today. You know, and that's not really the biggest issue I think with uh you know allowing this tradition to uh, to survive. I think the biggest uh, hurdle is just to uh, make younger generations aware yeah. even even that the tradition exists. Yeah, not that they necessarily need to become a treyter, but so that they can use a treyter. <laughs> because trust me, most people that I treat have gray hair. You know. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, you know they know what this is. And they, and they mm-hmm. use it as much as they right, can.
0: Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's to keep that some of that tradition mm-hmm. alive. Yeah, yeah, through through the mm-hmm. languages. Right. Yeah. The mm-hmm. is amazing.
1: We have the largest swamp in all of North America here in Louisiana, the Atchafalaya. And uh, deep in the, in the swamp, the swamp used to be cypress trees maybe 20 feet in diameter and 200 feet tall and they were Beautiful. all cut down because of lumber <laughs> oh, uh no. a, you know in the last century right. uh and then, but there were these massive you know trees so when you go through the small cypress forests today you know, which are still deep in the swamp the trees are all young you know they're much younger even the older trees are like still very young you know <laughs> so i i found this tree it was a young Small tree that had fallen and it didn't survive. It fell during a storm. You know, the problem that growing these things is that they need to be in dry. You know, without water for a certain period of time uh, during their first couple of years of growth, but the swamp constantly has, has water. Older, yeah. You know, so there's really, so, so a lot of times they don't make it. So mm-hmm. this was a small tree that fell over during a storm. You know, it's probably just a couple of years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I took the cypress uh, and then I took a big 720 carat Louisiana opal, <laughs> Indiana, which is a very rare form of opal, and, and stuck it yeah. on the sphere, you know, and stuck it on the top of the staff. So it's just from mm-hmm. well, Louisiana. I want to sit out there in the wild. We're on a Real, yeah, real. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful.
2: <laughs> it's
3: the way to do it. <laughs> you guys also mentioned sometimes you use herbs too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, actually, I would say that in the old days, the traiteur had a very. It was it was known that they would have a very extensive knowledge and collection of herbs. You know, because because really for the Cajuns everybody everybody's mama and papa and mama and papa you know had they, they knew what to do with this kind of stuff because you would die without it mm-hmm. you know because they yeah. were surviving it wasn't like you know louisiana and new orleans was one of the last frontiers of uh colonizing you know development mm-hmm. new orleans was just literally seen as just like a big den of thieves and you know pirates and you know uh political corruption or whatever <laughs> well you know this was just very uninhabited you know so when the, when the Acadians arrived here all they had were the plants you know all they had were the plants and they were obviously subject to a lot of uh you know various, various forms of sickness and illness that they had not been before right. you know because this is new territory right. So, they had to go. right so knowledge and awareness of plants and herbs and what to do with them was vital so everybody knew a little something but the traiteur, you know, because someone would go to the treta for this sort of supernatural healing, they would often make it their business to to be very versed, you know, in the plant and herbal medicine. You know, so usually they made things and they specialized in in treating with their prayers. So they would try to sort of uh, build an arsenal of, of things that would accompany and work well with those particular things. Yep. So if they were a specialist at the blood, you know, or if they were a specialist at, you know, heat stroke, they would try to have these remedies that they would do the treatment and they say now take this take these leaves and put them on your head here and put your hat on the top of that mm-hmm. so that it doesn't fall out and keep that on your head for three days you know whatever yeah. They wrap something up in this and that you know today i would say that a uh, moglie which is a groundsel bush is probably the most uh one of the most well-rounded cajun herbs that we use here it has uh triterpenoids which which has uh Antibacterial, antifungal, antimicrobial, antiviral qualities to right. it, uh, that really beef up the white blood cells and the work that they've got to do and just, you know, attack. So that kind of thing is just a super medicine, right. you know, not this different from elderberry, which is another very big popular one here. And yeah. The herbal, uh, healers. But so that distinction, uh, you know, today you would have someone who, uh, they work as an herbologist who's very, you know, versed in this, right? And they were born and raised here in Louisiana and they, you know, this is where they are. But they don't have the the sort of like supernatural or mystical tradition as part of what they do. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, what would I be a traiteur, you know, or whatever? And I was was told someone, I said, I think, you know, if you're a healer, you're in Louisiana and using plants and so, yeah, yeah. But you could say I'm a traiteur des herbes, which means a a traiteur of the herbs, you know, Mm -hmm. of the nature of the herbs. So that's what I do, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really like in French, you would say like uh, des herbes. But you see, uh, we put a lot of hard, harsh toes and notes on the on the ease and things like that. So okay. desire you know, is like how we would say it. it's very different. Like <laughs> okay. okay. Like nepsi. Uh-huh. mercy. We right. say na you know. Mm-hmm. And say that's why we say we got a flat accent. Because you gotta mm-hmm. it hits that tongue, hits the top of that palette. We'll okay. But anyway, so uh there is that, you know. But uh but I would say the vast majority of threteurs today uh don't uh, employ a lot of herbal, uh, remedies in their tradition, but they do always tend to have like a, at least a little knowledge of this or that toddy, you know, just for, right. for, for when you're under the weather, which by the way, <laughs> plug that in. Uh, of course, I'm working with the local Wildcat Brothers Rome Distillery, yeah. uh, you know, in order to take some of these things we talked about, Moglier, elderberry, some local honey to go ahead and infuse it with the healing properties of those plants. We're going to call it remed, which means remedy in French. Uh, and for me, it's a way to, use my knowledge and my intention to be able to help people and do something that's really cool with something I love, which is Rome
3: and healing.
1: But also in order so that I'm not having to sit here and and constantly make remedies for everybody because because I'm busy, you know? So yeah, so that's kind of my way. I usually, if I'm working with plants, it's usually just under my roof. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for my house. It's for my, right. parents, for my wife, my children. Right. Um, as a practicing trainer, I don't often, I might tell them what to do, mm-hmm. but I don't often sit there and make something for them. Right. You know? right. And this may change because I have a, a structure on my property that I'm, I'm turning into sort of a little hermit shack, you know, a little swamp shack that is going to have a place for plants and uh and cooking and that up and you know a sink a sink and all that kind of stuff but then also an altar and then also like a d- library right. and, you know that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of thing where we can treat mm-hmm. people where we can you know and you know speaking of which is very very an altar you know in, in the treating space many people in the uh the world of sort of you know American historical kind of magical influence and healing and all that are very well aware of the legend of Marie Laveau uh from you mm-hmm. know the voodoo queen of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but uh, what most people don't know, as in like probably 99% people don't know, <laughs> is that she really wasn't a voodoo uh, queen. She really didn't practice voodoo at all. She was actually a traiteur. She was a Catholic who went to mass every day. She was like baptized, married, and all of that yeah. within the cathedral right there in the square in New Orleans, had a good relationship with the uh, right. the priest there. And, uh, and so when people would go into her house, she had in her parlor an altar. You know, that was full of like Catholic saints and Mary and all this stuff and candles and, you know, and then where she would pray and do petitioning and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and she would, she would treat people in that way, you know, now, you know, she was a fair skinned color Creole woman. Uh Is it to say that she didn't have through her African lineage certain folk ritualistic type practices that she did not adopt and assimilate into the work that she did? I'm most assured that she did. Uh, but it wasn't like the religious you know, uh, organization of voodoo, so, okay. so to speak, it was just very different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, it would be okay if she was, but it's just in particular, it's really interesting that, uh, mm-hmm. that Marie Lameau, the famous voodoo queen, was kind of just a, a faith healer, you know, right. uh, you know, her daughter really took the, the name and it went full force and created this <laughs> legend. You know?
3: So is there the think- difference between like the trait error in the, in voodoo? I mean, you're saying it's kind of the same, right? Or is well, is there two different things?
1: I'll say this. Let us first refer to healing specifically. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between healing, the the actual healing that's taking place in all cultures, you know, present day, you know, from the beginning of time? For the most part, I would kind of say no. Uh, I think that, you know, it's like music is all music. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, with healing... We uh, we have our cultural, you know, folk, you know, uh, flavor, you know, that kind of goes into it. That's part of the story of who we are, where we came from, how we got here. Mm-hmm. But we're all trying to heal. Right. Uh Quick side note, which is not necessarily totally relevant. But since I'm speaking my my experience, I do think that there can be the results that are of a healing nature that can come from more than one source uh meaning a source of creation and one that is that can be more sort of dark and i'm not particularly saying like the devil right Right, right. like the demonic that's not saying that Mm -hmm. i think that energy moves from different places and you know in different ways and so i do think that some cultures for example uh will embrace you know, certain aspects and traditions of, uh let's say, folk work, folk ritual work, mm-hmm. uh, such as, you know, curses, uh mm-hmm. okay. and hexes and things like that. Whereas some people will focus specifically on like light stuff, you know, not really doing anything that is would be considered sort of lower vibrational sort of right. negative right. Uh, that has any kind of negative, uh you know, consequence to it. So I think that those are those things are the, the energy that flows in those different approaches are from different sources. That's just mine, okay. you know, right. Now okay. with something like voodoo, you know, voodoo is a, first of all, it's a religion, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just right. a, a lot of people, you know, kind of misinterpret that as just a sort of like bayou, swampy, witchy type, whatever, right. blah, yeah. blah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: whatever. I mean, there's so many manifestations of, of folk practice, right?
3: Right. But Even spelled different.
1: You mm-hmm. know, so you have, you have medicine men, you have witch doctors, you have shamans, you know, it, right. it, there's <laughs> such a variety of, of this. Well, uh, in voodoo, they are primarily, uh, and don't, I'm not an historian when it comes to this, but I would right. say, I think it's like Congolese kind of, you know, part of, part of Africa, but there's like a source in Africa where it originated. Then it, uh, you know, was carried over to Haiti and then later Louisiana. Uh, in, in Haiti still today, it has an orthodoxy of organization. You know, it's, it's a, it's a legitimate religion, right. you know, priests and mm-hmm. so, uh, the reason why it never lasted in Louisiana as a religion, this is an offshoot I know, uh, is because it lacked that organization. They didn't have the actual structures. They weren't allowed to have like the actual voodoo like churches. So they would practice in open squares in like circles of dance. And so that's why you have like Congo Square. You know, it was this place that they call it Congo Square because it was a place where a lot of voodoo ceremonies took place out in, in the huh. square where they allowed it. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why the, the kind of lineage dismantles. But it doesn't mean that Louisiana voodoo doesn't still exist. It's just that, uh, most of it, if you're exposed to it in New Orleans and especially in the French Quarter, it's probably not legitimate. You know? right, yeah. Uh, Haiti, however, so here's the difference. So in Haiti, they, you know, it's often said that uh, 80% of Haitians are Catholic, 20% of Haitians are Protestant, and 100% of Haitians are Voodoo. So the reason that, uh, for that is because Voodoo is assimilated into Catholicism. You know, so you have, uh, you know, in, in the Haitians, let's just use the Haitians because there's such a strong evidence of it, and it's just still very active in alive the today. They... Uh, are practicing catholics but they're also aware from their voodoo tradition of which spirits uh you know kind of are associated with which catholic saints you know and things like that uh-huh. yeah so they will kind of uh, they will kind of treat that saint uh-huh. in a way that traditionally they would have treated this particular voodoo deity so you know such as I'm going to leave you uh cigars or rum or whatever because that's what you love. Right. And it's not
2: did. that
1: those types of things don't exist within like traditional Catholicism that, that mm-hmm. doesn't have like some of that assimilation. Right. Uh, but but it's not because of a prior belief system. I got You, you see what I'm saying? That that kind of yeah. like so, so that's the really the big that's it, that's the huge difference, is that most preteurs, uh our practice. Is as a healers is very much like you know the healing work of everyone around the world, mm-hmm. uh, but our our practice in our spiritual lives, if we're kind of a really traditional traitor who you know like the original Acadians ha- would happen to be Catholic, uh, we're pretty much like devout, fairly by the book Catholics. Except we do have a lot of uh, sort of folk practice, a lot of you know that in our Catholicism, it similarly is. to right. the way that they do in Italy, you know, where for example, we might not just say a prayer you know to god for a particular thing that we are uh hoping that you know is an outcome or a manifestation of something in our life but maybe we will find a saint uh which in catholicism we believe that a saint is a person who we, we feel like is definitely in heaven with god like in union with god right uh-huh. and so we call them a saint to say like that's what the designation is. so it may be someone who lived a certain experience in their life I had certain uh, certain uh aspects to their personality that maybe is relative to this particular thing that I'm going through. And so what we'll do is petition that that saint who we know is with God and also has a specific kind of soft side to that thing that we're, you know, going through because really they're a human and they experienced it. Mm-hmm. Can then take that petition for us and carry it to God on our behalf, you know, really because he's got that merit more so or she because they're with God. that it's like an influence type thing, you know. So we, as Cajuns, are used to this type of thing. A lot of Cajuns will, when they sell a house, Mm -hmm. or when they're trying to, they'll take a little statue of St. Joseph, and they'll bury it upside down at the four corners of their property, Uh, and then they hope that the house sells. One of the peculiar things about today is that some people who remember and they kind of use this tradition Mm -hmm. are actually a little out of touch with the original source of the tradition or the original intent of the tradition, which is that they are indeed punishing St. Joseph by putting right. his honorary statues, which honor him, upside okay. down, right. and it's like when you sell this house, I'm going to take you out of the ground, right? And I'm going to put you upright, viterate you, mm-hmm. right? You don't take them out because they don't realize that that's right. why what it's all about. So it's kind of funny, right? But you know, so there are these interesting little traditions that are not dissimilar from some of the things that may be practiced and approached, in, you know, in, in Voodoo. In voodoo. Uh, but mm-hmm. they are they are very different in a lot of ways okay. too, because it's yeah. not because it's not associated with like prior. Religious entities are. You see what I'm saying? Right, yeah Yeah. Right. So, anyway, that's sure. it. So, that
0: was interesting So, <laughs> going back, so how old is this tradition? Do you even know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I,
1: it, it's a great question. uh I, I, of course, I don't really know. I mean, I, I have, I, I think it's like if you, if we could break it down, you know, right, mm-hmm. uh, different ways of looking at it, then we could kind of have some answers. We do know that the. The Cajuns, they, they had this practice of treating it at least all the way back to Nova Scotia when they were Acadians. Know? Okay. I got you. Uh, you know, because, you know, there's evidence of it still today there, uh, because there are descendants of the Acadians oh, there yeah. still, even though the majority of them, you know, packed up and, you know, gypsied on down here as uh-huh. refugees. Well, I also personally had experience with that where, you see, the, the, the Cajuns, uh were around and amongst the, uh, the Big Mac. First Asian.
2: okay,
1: and the chiefs, the Mi'kmaq chiefs were very encouraging to their, uh, their their daughters, the women of the tribe, to take Acadian men as, as husbands, because the Acadian men had these physical characteristics, the Mi'kmaqs were small. Okay. You know, they were small people. So they were like, look at these big brute, you know, giant <laughs> fishermen, fish, fishermen uh, from France, whatever.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Let's get a little bit of that blood in here. You know, uh-huh. what I mean, right. So, which is why actually I know some people, who, like I know someone who has like a great, 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 great grandmother, whatever, who's like a, a Native American, a First Nations princess, right? But they're Cajun, you know, yeah, so, yeah. so it's really, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I met someone who is a descendant of Acadian and <laughs> Mac who I became friends with. And we, through friendship and conversation, both came to realize that we were both traitors, but like he's still up there in Canada.
2: Uh-huh, you know?
1: okay. right. So I know that it at least goes that far back. It, you know, this is just hearsay. But if I was to say uh, out of sort of like what I feel is like kind of common sense, mm-hmm. I think it had to be. To some extent, you know, going on as well in France prior to the movie prior prior to, Uh, to, uh yeah, you know, sure. because on one hand, like there's the terminology like "crêpeur." But mm-hmm. if you look today at the word and what it means in French, it's a caterer, mm-hmm. okay, like a food company. Uh-huh. But of course, like words take on different, meanings, different
2: you know, meanings because
1: when they when they probably first used the word "caterer," it didn't mean it the way it was today. Like let's load up a man, right? A
2: yeah, right. Hands. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So it's like to care for, to cater to, you know. Right. So the Acadians isolated uh, a way of speaking in France at a certain time period, left France, right? Whereas the rest of mainland France, the language continued to evolve. There was a time where there was a traiteurs guild, which I think I dated back to, it was pretty much medieval. Like, actually, it might've been like, Fourteen hundreds, thirteen hundred. I'd have to go back and check, but it was way back. okay mm-hmm. It was prior to the Acadians' arrival in uh in the New World,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where they they started this sort of poteauxs guild in France, uh, which which had to do with the preparation of food. It was sort of like food stands in a mm-hmm. medieval way, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but like you know, if you, you could not do this, if you had not been allowed, if you had not been a part of the guild, gotcha. You know, okay. so in those days, but prior to that. It was a much looser interpretation. So it's like the word goes, why is it being used in this way? Right. And at least that far back, it started being used in a way that was relative to culinary. So I think it goes way back in France. Right. So, of course, now we're just sort of talking about like the fashion of. The tradition like the way that it's done how far back does that go that's really hard to say you know it's so we're kind of oh, thinking at least back in Brant's, you know in the sort of middle ages but yeah. so if we stop there and then we make a big pause uh, or big split up of time and sort of just look at look at it from a different perspective faith healing well that goes back
2: old testament. yeah yeah
1: before you know because a lot of the things that, that we a lot of the things that i've read in the old testament stories Mm-hmm. Uh, very mm-hmm. much similar to what we do today, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the Old Testament is not that old, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of uh, right. I think it's a very, very old tradition, you know, that may very well go to the beginning of back to the beginning of time. But as far as for when it began to manifest. You know, the way that we do it now and how long it's kind of held that unique identity. Unique evidence, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it's hard to say, but you know, hey, maybe, uh, maybe nearly a thousand years, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, going back to the tools, I guess, that you would use. So, you said there's prayers, you use herbs, you use different things. Is there like traditional practices that you would?
1: Kind of ritualistic things that
0: might. Yeah, like specific oh, ritual. Like you said, you had specific right. prayers that you yeah. use. Are there like specific processes you would use for, for those herbs right. that are carried on? Right. Yeah. The- and
1: there are things outside of the herbs that are very interesting <laughs> to talk about with the herbs. You know, again, I think it's mostly we're going to, it's very traditional. We're going to make a poultice, okay. right? Or we're going to make a remedy that you drink a tea, or we're going to make, uh, a salve you know these are very traditional forms of of herbal use you know Mm -hmm. uh because that's the way they work universally you know that's the way plants work you know so there may be ways where they're they're sort of looked at from a sort of like magical perspective where it's like let's you know sleep with these leaves under your pillow or something you know Mm -hmm. i'm not fully aware as much of those types of traditions but but only because i'm speaking about herbs but if we move on from herbs to other things similar uh, one of the traditions is to use uh, a potato with warts. Mm-hmm. And it is very interesting. They will cut a piece of potato, like a little quarter, cut mm-hmm. size, you know, and then they'll say the prayers over the wart and they'll rub the potato on it, right? And then they'll say the prayers over the wart and they'll rub the potato on it. They'll say the prayers and they'll rub the potato on it. Mm-hmm. And then when they're finished, they'll take the potato and they'll put it in what's called the goutier, Okay. Which is basically where, on the corner of the house, where the rain fall through the gutter will fall right into the this little like hole in the ground, right? Slightly kind of hole uh, because of the moisture and all that. And they say to stick it in there, and then once it uh breaks down, you know, once the potato is gone, then the ward goes with it. So it's sort of like the energy is put into the ward, and then when the ward breaks down and is gone, then the war. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh some what they'll do is they'll take a string uh-huh. and as they're treating, they'll tie it onto the string. And then they'll That's do basically. a treatment and then they'll tie it onto the string and they'll do like three knots, you know, uh-huh. uh, and then they may do that three times because we do everything in threes. Yeah. So there's not as i don't know as much sort of explanatory mm-hmm. knowledge with why the knots you know uh-huh. it might be like binding then you know and then they may take that and they throw it away you know there was one that a guy told me where he he, he told the guy okay he said i'm going to give you this quarter you know and you have to accept it after I treat you he said uh Or it was a nickel or whatever Mm -hmm. for each, you know, wart or whatever it was. Right. And basically I'm buying it from you. So he said, you got to keep that money. The warts will go away, you know, so they would kind of, it was like buying the the warts, you know. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: there was also, uh, an interesting one where they would carve a cross, uh, on the exterior of a tree. Okay. Uh and then once that would kind of heal over, the, that the ailment would be going. Uh, I'm guessing it would be very deep, you know. Right. Like, right. Mm-hmm. And then once it would kind of disappear, yeah, you know, the ailment would go away. Which is not, you know, it's not, I've never used or employed any of those specific techniques, but I've used similar thought processing to things. So for example, I try to treat once, uh or I try to treat as much as I can for that matter, if we can time it right, on a full moon, because... The energy is now going to be drawing down after that, right? Okay. And so it's going to coincide naturally with the, you know, getting rid of, you know, yeah. the removal. Really. Of, you know, right. so, uh, so there's things like that. Oftentimes the Tertel would, would tell someone, you know, just depending on what they believed and how rigid those beliefs were, they might have told someone, I could do this, but, you know, we have to wait until the full moon, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: Yeah. that totally makes sense. Uh, to be able to use the, like, the releasing energies there the rhythms
3: of okay. nature you
0: know, right yeah. all part. so i found it yeah. super interesting that you use threes is there a specific reason
1: you know yeah it's really simple in very many traditions spiritual traditions three is significant you know <laughs> uh three is said uh spells are said three mm-hmm. times you know yeah uh when a priest exercises he says the prayer three times uh you know for us, I think that the three is significant and it comes natural in that way. But uh it represents the Trinity. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it represents the three persons and one God, you know, uh for us Cajuns. Right. And I think that's I don't know if it happened if it was being used in threes prior to, you know, the Holy Roman Empire
2: right. impacted mm-hmm.
1: Those right. tribal peoples of Gaul, you know, right. sort of yeah. converted them into yeah. ca- Catholics and whatever was going on before that. Maybe okay. they were like, well, we were doing threes, but now we could do it because of this, you right. know. Well, right. I, right. I don't know. Any, but, but today, <laughs> yeah. we, we it signifies the, the Trinity. The Trinity.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, in three, I mean, the triangle is the most sacred geometrical shape. Mm-hmm. You know, those of us who are not new to, uh, you know, just to the spiritual symbolism and studies in, in general, like three is very, very significant. Random. And so we right. do, that's why nine is like, because we do we do three and then we do that three times and then we might do that in three rounds, you know, so it's just threes. Okay. On, three threes
0: on, top threes. on top of yeah. three. Yeah. Understood. So as far as how would somebody like find, like how does that process work? Right. Like is it, it's just knowledge that you know that you do this type of healing, or how does that traditionally
1: work? Played out right. Yeah. So, tradi- traditionally, uh, it just was ex- exclusively word of mouth. Okay. Everyone, you know, these were small communities, you know, so it wasn't, didn't take long, but it was like, mm. you know, I got this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, mm. the other person would be like, why don't you go and see a tra-tour? And You're like, well, maybe, you know, I don't know any traitor. <laughs> yeah. right. And They're, they're like, well, Susan's little boy had the heat stroke and we took him to uh, her cousin's f- husband's aunt is a treteur. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's always like somebody knows somebody who knows somebody or whatever. Right. And then you'll find your treteur. Or you've used one before. So typically it was word of mouth. Uh, and and treteurs were definitely not really advertised. Uh, you know, we don't accept money. We don't even, uh, we try to inform if you're not already from this area and you don't know the way that the tradition works, it's kind of maybe a little more awkward. But if you do, they do not thank us. You can't even say thank you after, you know, because it's like pure conduit work. You know, we we step in. It has to uh, include humility. It has I to got include you right humility. Right. <laughs> uh, so basically. Word of mouth was was the only way. Also because, you know, it was, you know, you have to imagine, like, it was easy for it to be considered taboo. Right. uh, Especially because there were a fair share of traiteurs who uh who engaged in things that that were outside of the the approval of the Catholic Church, you know, mm-hmm. that other these other devout Cajun Catholics would have had issues with like using tarot cards, mm-hmm. you know, or this and that. Whereas uh most uh tractors, they try to make sure that what they're doing and what they're saying and how they're blah 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 is you know it's kind of in the in yeah. those, you know so they didn't really promote it, you know. Now fast forward to today and there's a whole couple of generations who maybe don't know what that even is, you know? Uh, but then there are those who kind of heard of it, but just never experienced it. They wouldn't know how to find, you know? So, you know, when I had moved to New Orleans, I had the idea, because I say that because when I moved to New Orleans is when I re-embraced and kind of started that journey. I wasn't treating people left and right when I was 12 or when I was 17, you know, Mm -hmm. or when I was 23, Mm -hmm. you know, I was being a 17 year old, a 23 year old, whatever. When I turned 25 or 26, whatever, I moved to New Orleans, the ambition of like moving a business to a bigger city and different things and the type of ownership of my destiny that I started to really seed into, uh, all kind of coinciding with like being very inspired by the spirit of New Orleans. This New Orleans is so spiritual. And so you can feel it. It's just oh, in the air. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. whereas here everything is in be mud, you know. Yeah. Uh so in the roots. So that kind of started that. And I thought, you know, what you're talking about right now, what you're asking me about, is is an issue and it needs to be addressed. So I thought about making this database where I'd sort of go in on, like a website and I'd sort of go in and like find every healer in Louisiana, you know. Native American, Ooh. you know, voodoo, Cajun, treat traitor, whatever. And uh and, and make this big database like that can be broken down from like what do they heal, where are there they, what form of healing mm-hmm. do they practice. So that it just took healing and made it accessible. Right. Uh, and I called it like Louisiana Healers.org. So I started working on this. Uh, and then it took a backseat for a while. And uh and then when I moved back here a couple years ago. I really, even though I had to practicing and I had already been doing, uh, you know, different interviews and stuff, whatever, it really became a lot easier for me, you know, to, to be a part of the tradition because people here know it, you know, right. it's, it's the lifestyle, right. yeah. you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I started doing more of that. And then I found a Facebook page or, I, or somebody like invited me to one like, <laughs> a Facebook like group or something where it was just like a, a list of all these traitors and what they do and they're no, how to oh, um, contact them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, well, this is cool. You know, this and, and like and I'm thinking like, of course, me like thinking of the grandest of like I just yeah. made a Facebook group.
2: <laughs>
1: so like somebody did this and uh, it put me on it, you know, and, and then I started treating a lot more because of that uh and i think a lot of people too would call me because mine says you know like anything you know right. says like i'll do your toothache you know yeah uh that's kind of one way that exists today but there is uh the real thing that this kind of cultivated you know into the moment of me going i'm gonna write a book because it first started with like i'm going to uh handwrite this sort of grimoire of swamp practice in you know, all these various delicious ways that i want to try pass down <laughs> to my children all the things yeah. that i wish i had
2: yeah. right yeah, yeah
1: but i also kind of went you know i'm like sitting at a, at a pool you know drinking a few cold beers on the fourth of july and i go why can't this be published you know right. like why can't this be made so that it is you know sort of historically documented officially at an official capacity for the sake of preservation it is like, there yeah. right, right. <laughs> So that's when, uh, when I sort of decided to write this, you know, sort of handbook, you know, for the treacherous. I was reading this book called the, uh, the grimoire. I think it was for the, the wizard's apprentice or something. And it was like, you know, the wizard's apprentice training manual or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's among a few other texts, you know, such as, uh, the French language books that have been documented, you know, recipe books and music books. I'm like, okay, so I could do sort of like, you know, a guide for the treacherous training. You know, and so that's kind of what this became. So this is a way for me to uh, to make the the carrying on of the tradition, of the practicing of the tradition, mm-hmm. uh, more empowered, mm-hmm. more accessible. And I think that probably to answer your question, you know, sort of part B uh, mm-hmm. would be that I think from the book and whatever attention it may garner there will be from that a sort of database uh type deal you know similar to the facebook thing but maybe at a a larger scale related specifically to that uh but it'll be more related to like mentorship you know like how to find a to be mentor and i just think all of the noise in general is just going to help make people more aware of this tradition that has kind of been slightly forgotten you know uh to continue to use it and utilize it there's another book there that uh I saw you have
3: one in the front from
1: here. Yeah, there's another book there that was written called, uh I think, Healing Traditions of South Louisiana uh, by these two ladies who have a very heavy focus on plants and herbs. Great book. I, I didn't read it yet, but I mean, I, I can see how comprehensive it is. So, you know, they wrote that. There's another guy who's kind of writing something. You know, so it's like, this is just what's going on. We've gone past the, you know, let's have everything easy generation, you know. Right, yeah. Uh which was really the parents that it, that put it on the children. You know, it was, it was like, you know, they were tired of cleaning, you know, diapers. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Were, every time everything came out, my, my grandmother still was like, Oh, microwave this microwave that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I brew coffee when there's a microwave. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like our generation who's like making ads by like, hey, hand. <laughs> right. you know, who's, ta- who's taking the old Go way back. of making Cajun coffee when there's so much easier gadgets out here now and right. it's like i'm still gonna like boil water put grinds in this old aluminum uh, thing that oh. i'll pour over it, I'll slowly drip through and it's just dark and black and murky you know so i think there's just that there's this restorative kind of balancing thing going on right now that always does mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: uh, and it's kind of bringing back that appeal to uh you know, health and and wellness, and uh, right. and and also just the spiritual connection. You know, we want uh, things to be more real and authentic again. Yeah. In, Agreed. In a lot of ways. You know, many people are kind of unanimously having this desire, this underlying desire. Yeah. You kind know,
3: of how it's, we got started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like as much of us are just like, you know, I really probably cannot give up the iPhone because <laughs> of my way of life in my business and stuff, but all of us, despite probably, you know, all having that desire, right. we also all just want to be naked in the woods for the rest of it.
2: <laughs> like, it
1: you know it's like there's that and we aren't but it's like we just we have to make it work right. but so i think yeah that naturally it's finding its way back it's funny it's way back nice. in the right way just need a little bit of a you know evolution to it a little change a little uh yeah. racing you know new potentialities you know but it's a very old tradition right. you know and it has not remained the same since the beginning i can promise you that yeah so you know. yeah because most of the training is all just passed down Right. It's not
3: like you said, there isn't a book out there I could go read and right. learn how to do it. Yeah. It's that. It's all you know? passed down yeah.
1: through. Which is another good point.
3: A good
0: thing, though.
1: Right, which is another Tradition, good point, which you said, you know, you, to go and read it. And, and there's still sort of the question if I read this book and apply the techniques, does yeah. this make me a traiteur? Right. So, right. And the answer to that I still have to say is I don't know.
2: Yeah, right. You know, <laughs>
1: I don't know. You know, does the cultural uh, juice of it, does it apply to you know only within that culture? Is it like a closed right. practice sort of thing? You know, like th- these techniques that should only be practiced by this culture or that culture. Where right. I'm not right. going so far as to say appropriation and all that, but my point is, is that you know, or is it just like if you do this and you believe, it's all good, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it kind of somewhere in between? It's like if I sort of have this predetermined uh aspect to my nature, to the nature of my spirit, that sort of is inclined. To want to practice this kind of thing and to help people in this kind of way, mm-hmm. then I'm more kind of naturally susceptible to, you know, for that, for that, the success of these, the application of these techniques to really seep in and to be, to be effective, you know, to work, right. uh, to be efficacious in that kind of way. I don't know. Right. I don't know. You know, right. I just, I do it the old way, but I think the book is going to be helpful. The, the primary yeah. reason I'm really writing the book is because I hear so many people that go, I had this person in my family who was in there right. and I feel that I am this. I wish I could have asked and I don't, it's like right. you could do this. This is mm-hmm. real. Yeah. Right. So let me just show you the basics of right. what we do in our practice. Mm-hmm. And then make it your thing, you know, right, right. these other Cajuns who are just like, you know, right. going to their grave, like they really lost a big part of what their life was supposed to involve. Right. In they didn't
3: you know, really know. Right. Yeah. Everything they yeah,
1: did they yeah. yeah. So that's a real reason for the book. Yeah. But uh, that and also, like I said, just to kind of tie to like I was doing this handwritten thing. And it was like, mm-hmm. Can we just make it, you know, where it's not like. The one book, you know, like, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. we can't lose the book, yeah, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. which
1: I still have, yeah. and it will be different. And it may have a little more extra special yeah. juice in it, you know, right. kids, but yeah. that's just for, for fun, you know, I could share prayers, but like the one that my grandmother gave me, I don't, I don't think I will ever share it outside my family, yeah. not because it's like, it's going to lose its power and all this stuff. It's just special to me. Right. It's just yeah. special to me that way there's only one. You know? Yeah,
2: exactly. So
1: it's like a secret family recipe.
2: Exactly.
1: I'll teach you how to cook some chicken,
2: right? yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, hey, this is the way we yeah. cook chicken. You know?
1: right. It's like it's kind of special to us and I want yeah. my right. kids yeah. to have that distinction because yeah. it's what makes our family.
0: Right. Right. You know? right, right, it's as right. As simple as that. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I think it needs to include that sort of respect for right. our ancestors and how, you know, those traditions and things about it that, you know. Thing. But I think getting the awareness of it out there is also very
1: important. It is. And I love that, that you said that honestly, because that respect for our ancestors, you know, we too often want to sort of look at things from the perspective of, you know, either I'm hoarding this or like, it's a negative thing to want to, to want to not share, uh, et et cetera, et cetera, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there is an inherent reverence, you know, there's like Mm -hmm. merit within, it is okay right. for in this one way for me mm-hmm. to be different from you, right? right. Like yeah. we're, we are all one we're species, all mm-hmm. yeah. and that's beautiful. And we also
3: makes us your connect
1: to mm-hmm. many other things on Earth in, in, all in the same way, you know, bugs and rocks and right. what have you. But it's also okay for me to be different,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: You know, and I just I just like that you said. You know, and even if not just for the sake of just respect for our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just honoring them in that way. You know, because right. they did it. They fought for it. They earned it. They,
0: yeah, know. yeah. It's through them that you, you know, learn this and and are able to be able to share it. And right. you know, I feel like I mean, yeah, their sacrifices right. and their things, you know, right. Need yeah, to exactly. be need to be honored in some way. Too. That's
2: good.
3: And Louisiana has so much culture. The more I stay here, I'm just like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> I love There's
1: it. So many places on this planet that are full of richness in every way you can imagine. I'm aware of this, but also been around the world a little bit, mm-hmm. been around the country a little bit, and uh, yeah, South Louisiana is is very unique. It's yes, the very stories spread. are great. It's just so packed in such a condensed small geographical area with
0: so much diversity well it's like an epicenter of so many different cultures and things. and yeah i have one last question (laughs) (laughs) i I was gonna say i don't know if they have more questions it's it's okay (laughs) we have time Um, but yeah i i wanted to see how this healing or this tradition has impacted your life
1: Great question, yeah. And it's good for me because the more that I'm able to reflect on that, it just kind of reinforces, you know, the, that I've chosen it to do okay. this, you know. But so, you know, there is a big part of it that's a sacrifice, you know, because depending on most of the times when I treat when I'm requested to treat I do it instantly like right in the moment no matter what's going on and where I am in my life Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: but there are certain things that I'm like okay maybe if it's a warrant I'm like oh you're not going to die if I do it tomorrow right Right. but there are certain things that like you know this person is suffering and I'm not Mm going to just be like okay I'll get to this after I finish this steak or whatever like they have a library you know or whatever so there's that sacrifice of your time you know depending on on, you know sometimes energy sometimes I I am a impacted by energy mm-hmm. uh depletion you know uh or, or taking on energies which is just why right. i do a, a plethora of cleansing after a lot of my treatments because you know we're working with spiritual
2: right
1: yeah energy yeah sometimes i'm connected to that energy while yeah right so this part of it that involves sacrifice uh is just one more way in my life for me to practice it not being about me, you know, like for me to just practice being more selfless, you know, and more humility and just doing for others. But also, you know, in a way that I didn't anticipate when I first started, it was like, I am so busy with everything else that I've done in my life that it's like, this is just that thing. And I'm just going to do that thing whenever I'm asked to do that thing. And It was mm-hmm. as simple as that. Whereas uh it started to take a certain gravity, you know, if I'm going to refer to it as like a ministry or a, or a purpose of, part of my life, it's starting to take a sort of kind of gravity, a sort of uh, weight of its own, you know, kind of life of its own, this is part of who I am in this tradition, that this kind of stuff happens. Like I did the podcast the other day, the podcast tomorrow, I talk mm-hmm. next week, I got called for something in June. And it's like, obviously, you know, People God, the universe is like, this is a big deal for you. This is a big thing mm-hmm. for you. Uh-huh. Not just a little side thing, you know, right, right, right. Uh, give more to it, Right. So when I started to see that and become aware of that, it really, I really allowed it to begin to influence my life on a deeper level and how I live my life and who I am. So kind of what it does for me and what it has done for me, like that, that's the overarching point. But just to kind of, you know, bring it down, make it a little more practical is that I look at things, you know, like uh, other facets of my life, like being a father. Mm -hmm. You know, being a husband, being a business owner, other things that I am in the care of that that I have responsibility for, it's allowed me to continually kind of take that look within and want to grow and evolve and become better and more efficient uh, at those things. You know, and so there, there's a lot of things in my life, right, that have, I say, right, because we've all experienced this. Uh, there's a, there's lots of things in our lives that encourage us at different seasons of our life to just kind of grow, to just kind of right. evolve, right. to just kind mm-hmm. of be better than something that maybe was a part of our past or, you know, whatever, you know, that, that we're like, you know, I could do better this way with mm-hmm. who I am now because of who I am now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is just a big one, you know, for mm-hmm. me, it's just, this is a big a big one of those forces where it's like, it just really makes me want to embody what the treteur does, the caring for people, the healing, the treating people, mm-hmm. providing that space for the divine to flow through and, and meet earth. That's what the staff represents more than anything else. Traditionally, mm-hmm. not just my staff. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, the staff represents more than anything yeah, else. Yeah. The tree of life, mm-hmm. the connection from the heavens yep. to the earth. Yep. You know, and so, a mm-hmm. conduit. So for me, it is that, but just applying it in more places in my life than just that, you know, so that the shoe fits so that it's like, really, you see what I mean? I really right. want to be authentic in that. So it's really provoked me and motivated me to just uh to continue to look at ways that I can do that, you know. Right. To look at ways that I can improve, and, and then every now and then I gotta go, Hey, it's okay to have some fun too. You know, like, like you, right. you're taking it, you're taking it a little serious. Okay. You know, it doesn't all have to be like meditative music. You can like put some, put some uh, rolling stones back on, yeah, right. you know, yeah. have a drink, you know, like yeah. Uh, but this is uh, you know, I've been a teacher for 20 21 years, right? But this is also the beginning of this journey in a different way, right? You know, and so uh of the way that I'm embracing it now, you know, as the me who is me now. So in that sense, uh, that's kind of why I'm a little gung about it. You know, <laughs> it's a fresh thing, you know. But Yeah, right,
2: right. It always
1: balances itself out. So, yeah, it's impacting me by just making me, overall, just want to be a, a a better person on this earth, which helps everybody else. You know, just as simple as that. That's what, that's what all healers and all spiritual workers, you know, want to promote. Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and all spiritualities really right it's just that we just all are better for each other Mm -hmm. yeah you know so i guess that's that's that
2: yeah that's beautiful Beautiful, yeah
1: Yeah.
3: not only does he beautiful healing work he makes beautiful hats gorgeous gorgeous hats yeah yeah thank you i have -hmm. to put that in there (laughs) because talent header i'll go away
1: Thank you. Well, it's right. it's been I'm honored that y'all invited me to talk and like you know have this opportunity to, to just speak about who I am and what I do. So thank you for that. Uh sincerely.
0: Yes, thank, thank so you so much it. for joining us. Yeah, it was so awesome to learn about the different traditions and interesting yes. history.
3: When I first were like, I've got to know more, I <laughs> want more, <laughs> more information.
0: Me too.
1: It was not enough.
3: Right?
0: My
1: grandpa gave me one prayer. And it's not enough. <laughs> oh, you
0: know? no. oh, thank so. you so much for sharing. Yes. Thank, thank you, you thank for you. Yeah, sharing your, your traditions yes. and your history. <laughs> tuning in and staying to the end of another Herbal Journey episode. For more herbal and holistic tips and stories to support you on your herbal journey to living a healthy and sustainable lifestyle, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Green Witch LLC. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Herbal Journey podcast. Stay tuned for next month's episode as we discuss the holistic offerings of Lee-Yen Anderson, founder of Sensible Lifestyle Association, where we talk about her sensible yoga practices, essential oil techniques, her story, and how she creates connections in sacred space that are in partnership with Mother Nature to help support you in embodying your unique gifts.